0: You had a rough night, it sounds like, Jesse.
1: No, I I had a very, I had a fun night. I I want to apologize to the listeners. My voice is hoarse today. It's not because I was, not because I'm sick. Um, Not the cigars? Not the cigars. Mm -hmm. I was at a concert last night and was singing loudly. And about halfway into the show, I started thinking to myself, I'm going to pay for this tomorrow. (laughs) This is going to be a mistake. (laughs) Who was the band? It's a band called The Wonder Years. Me and David Beamer, who wrote our, who writes our... uh, Song um, was with me, and uh, the band called the Wonder Years, they're doing a 10 year anniversary of one of their albums, so we knew like all the words to all the songs, so we're singing loudly. And then I woke up this morning and I'm like, it's starting to go, yeah. I'm gonna hope we have a very talkative guest, yeah. so that you don't have to hear from me too much, and I think that'll segue well into our guest today. We will read you the two truths and a lie that they uh, gave to us. Want to start off with the first one, yeah.
0: When I was eight years old. I participated in a casting call for a soap opera in Argentina. Hmm. That narrows down. One might think
1: you be... were the guest after reading that one. <laughs> I was originally born in the United States, but my parents moved to Argentina when I was two years old. And finally, I was part
0: of the team that developed one of the first self-checking kiosks for an airline in
2: South America.
1: I think these are all impressive things. But let's first introduce our
2: guest. Our guest, say, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hello, everyone. I'm I'm Pato Sapir.
1: Pato, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been trying to get Pato for a while. And when I say a while, we're five episodes into this podcast, so it wasn't that long. Pato, uh, can you tell us what your role is at Marcus Thomas?
2: Well, I'm a partner at Marcus Thomas, and I also work as a solutions consultant with the CRM and marketing automation team at Marcus Thomas, which is a product of Mercer of the company that I started back in 2015 called uh, Devs United.
1: Mm-hmm. So. All right, thank First you. First partner we've had on the show. First partner, yeah. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. nice. So thank you very much for joining us. Maybe this will be our last episode. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> to quickly circle back to these two truths and a lie, Derek, do you have a guess which one is the lie?
2: Hmm. I I was gonna say you should try to guess because I feel like Derek knows me more okay. for more years than than you okay. see, So
1: I think you did participate in a casting call for a soap opera in Argentina. It's just the kind of thing that's so I absurd. Totally agree I, I with it's that. It's it true. feels like
0: a pato kind of thing. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think maybe you dreamed of being a soap opera star at one point because you're very dramatic. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm passionate. Passionate. Yeah. Um, originally born in the United States, maybe, uh, and I think, I think maybe you did invent, develop f- the first self-checking I feel chaos. like the
0: third one is true. Yeah. Um, I feel like any one of them could be true. Any, I don't know, kind of like Stephanie Rechtenwald, he might be playing with numbers with us, yeah. you know, is, was it two years old? Was it the different age? Was he born in the U.S. and moved when he was three? I don't know. It could not um, be
1: that with the soap opera. Maybe he was, yeah. you know, 29 when he participated in a cast. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it last was year. last year. He's actually yeah. streaming right now. I am, uh, I'm going to go with the
0: born in the U.S., but parents moved to Argentina when he was two. That's my guess as the
1: lie in this. And I am going to say that the soap opera one is a lie because it was a
2: different age. So what is... Boy. I was born and raised in Argentina, so, yeah, 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 the soap opera, um, I still don't know if it was a scam or not, because I <laughs> kind of walk away after, like, they did, like, they saw me on the street, they say, I was with another friend, say, oh, you were doing this casting call, you want to go, and he was in a house, it was kind of sketchy, so we didn't go back the next, you know, the next round, you know, but i had we all had a feeling that it was a scam so
1: so never actually got officially casted in anything no okay so even for a scam
2: you didn't get casted it, even for a scam wow. yeah that tells you yeah did that tells kind you of a little about <laughs> yeah yeah i i yeah it was my choice, choice okay. yeah 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 <laughs> so you
1: were not born in the united
2: states born I was in argentina not... when did you actually move to the united states i moved to the united states in 2010
1: you've got a a
0: very interesting Pinball kind of story for how you ended up
2: at Marcus Thomas. At at Marcus Thomas. Um,
0: I've worked with Pato for a while. He was part of the Digino team um, before that acquisition. So you've been involved in two acquisitions. Yeah. You were, yeah. So anyway, going back to Jesse's question about born in Argentina and when did you come here, talk a little bit about the early days of working in the Marcus Thomas, I guess it was Digino plus 54
2: world. And then how how you ended up in Over Northeast here. Ohio? So I, I started in Digino, well actually it was yeah, plus fifty four in two thousand and seven. So we were in a small apartment in in part of a city called Puerto Madero. I don't know, you've been to that apartment, right?
0: I was never I was not down there when we had the office there. Okay. I was on once, it was when the first, okay. The first office.
2: So this okay. was like um, maybe three, four bedroom apartment and we were like six, seven people. Um, I started as a software, as a web developer you know, there, uh, working with a lot of people that are still around today. Yeah, we were doing a lot of projects with the digital team here in Cleveland. In 2009, that's the year that I met uh, Jen, who is now my wife, and then going back and forward, little bit of long-distance relationship decided to you know to move up here you know and and work for the digital team here in the US and i think there was also a need for to have someone that kind of like helps bridge the conversations between account managers and and the delivery team it was like a, a good opportunity for me to to fulfill that role and i moved here in in, in 2010 so I went from like being a web developer to be more like um, a tech lead and then I moved to be more like operations. So I was kind of like the manager of those teams, making sure everyone talked to each other. And then when I moved up here, I, I went more into doing supporting the team here in the in, in the US with like new business opportunities or estimates and whatnot, and then helping the delivery team, you know, with that transition.
1: Web developer tech lead, operations, you're starting your own business. Do you have a favorite? Is there one, like you say to yourself, if I go, go back and be a web developer again, I would go back and do that? Or are you happy with, with I kind of so trajectory there?
2: I compare it to being like a football or soccer player and then becoming like a coach. You know, I feel like soccer players want to play soccer, but their bodies don't really can support, you know. For me, it's the same. Like I always say I'm a developer by heart because that's what... It's almost sometimes my hobby, you know, if I have free time, I was, I would sit down and code something, but I don't think I could go back to be a full-time developer because I don't think I have the the cognitive energy or even like the, the energy to be like, oh, we have to work like eight hours full, like just coding, you know, I don't think I, I, I have it. I and mean, maybe it's, it's just because I don't have the practice, you know, like, and I need to get back to it, but my favorite is definitely like just coding, but also... I like to think outside of a box and find creative ways to solve problems for for our clients, so that I would say that is now my new favorite, you know he's our Roy Kent,
1: yeah,, yeah. I think we found we're <laughs> making a whole TED last, so <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah I think, I, I think
2: i'm I think I'm a Roy Kent. Well,
1: it's crazy that you're in in my free time, I'm coding I mean in my free time, I'm catching up on the latest. TV show. <laughs> He's sitting down and saying, let me code something. Yeah. But you, you you know, we talked
0: briefly about the digital Marcus Thomas thing, but then you went off in a completely yeah. separate direction. Yeah. In the CRM world. Yeah. So what made
2: you take that hard left turn? So I think. Can you just explain really quick for the audiences? And I know, but what is CRM? So CRM can mean a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's customer relationship management, you know? So some people describe it as a tool. It's a tool where you can manage your sales opportunities, your prospects, and the opportunities on the pipeline. And that that requires multiple tools to that. Uh, what, I, what I specialize in is more like the marketing automation side, which is... The different you know tools that you have to engage with a person once you know who they are, and also now it's getting more into when they when you don't know who they are yet, but you try to get them to try to figure out who who they are. You know, so if you go to visit a website, you know, and start browsing, you know, the website into different categories and products, I don't know who, you know, that that Jesse is the one browsing, but I'm gonna try to. First of all, give you a, a more experienced tailor to what the affinities are once I learn a little bit more about you. And at some point you're gonna decide to give me information, whether that's your email address or phone number, something that that is a I'm gonna give you something of value, whether that's a discount of being part of our membership program or whatnot. And once I have that I can kind of like have the two pictures together the ones that i didn't know were jesse but i have all the history of what jesse you know affinities are and then now i know who jesse is and now i can engage with you on on other channels but with a a lot more relevancy you know because now i know what you like what you are and you know kind of you know go from there
1: did you know that pato's been stalking you jesse no i actually had a, a paranoia feeling about it but um it's nice to hear that confirmed. So you're lo- so you're looking at all these people that are visiting and almost creating segments. It sounds like based on different attributes Correct. and things they're doing. Are you trying to fit people to different personas, or are those personas created as you learn about them?
2: That's a great question. So I have like the preferred method, and I have the method that sometimes you need to do. One of them is more. It comes from a research, right? So we have one of our customers that were working with this a research that was done to try to see what type of personas we interact with the brand. Those personas have specific attributes, you know, they visit these categories of a site or they, they have these affinities. So then from there, we can actually build at the segments beforehand and then tweak, you know, marketing automation is a lot about experimentation and tweaking, try to shy away from, we have this huge idea and a hypothesis and we're going to try to make it true. It's more about little ideas that you're testing and iterating, you know? So the other way to do it is to like start capturing data and see the trends and then start building your segments based on what people are, are trending, you know? Yeah. So. So, how I got into CRM, I was working here, but I felt like I was kind of ready for for a different challenge. And Jen had been working at a, at a company that did work with a marketing automation platform called Exact Target. And uh, she said, Hey, we are doing this. I think it's kind of fun. And because Jen and I always work really well together, I, I was like, Okay, she's saying that. I will be a good fit, I should probably take on the chance. So that's why I started learning more about this old world. It's like what happens when when a customer is not on your website? You know, how do you interact with them? What happens after they purchase a product? What's the customer journey after that? You know, how do we keep them engaged? So I started getting more into it. And because I had this background on on web development, database management and whatnot, I felt like I had an advantage, like I got these systems quickly and I was like, oh, I can use my creativity and my knowledge on this and apply it to what I'm learning now and create, you know, better solutions. So I was working there, I was like a sales consultant, basically helping sales team close deals, you know, and I was doing a little of operations. And in 2015, I kind of realized I kind of done a lot of different roles. I'm equipped with a lot of tools that I felt like. A good step on my journey could be being an independent consultant. And so I, I quit in 2015, I quit my job and started being independent. And then clients started coming up to the point where I was, okay, I can do this on my own. Uh, so I look for two other partners in, in Argentina say, Hey, I can do the consulting here and project management a little bit. You guys can do a delivery and then suddenly, Oh, you know what? We, we will need two more people. And then we started adding people and then at some point, Hey, this feels like we're a company, we should probably give it a name and create a website. So I started creating the brand and the website from there. And that's how Devs United was Okay, was kind of born, you know. Oh. So when was Devs United then reabsorbed? The journey of creating Devs United and to getting acquired by Marcus Thomas in, in 2019 was amazing for me because I learned so much about running a business. A lot of the stuff we did was just experimenting and it was a great learning journey and we started conversations. Uh, we say in September of 2018, and we were officially together again in January of 2019. Yeah, it was
0: interesting and and exciting to see what you were building, but even more when they said that we're going to be back together. Yeah. In the Marcus Thomas world, and brought Santiago Chile into the mix, and a, a lot of clients that we didn't otherwise have any interaction with and particularly in the latam mm-hmm. area
1: I was maybe only a couple of years into working here when that happened and I think I can maybe speak for a lot of people when I say that we didn't fully understand what devs United was at the time and I think we've all gotten a better understanding as the years have gone on but I think at first I, I was one of those people who was kind of like what does that mean like what are what exactly are we getting here <laughs> what, what does all this entail but it's so interesting how much how many different areas that actually touches, it's crazy.
2: Yeah, I always position it as like, before we joined Marcus Thomas, Marcus Thomas was mostly focused on like that top of a funnel, attracting the lead and the customer face. And then once a prospect became a customer, maybe another agency will take on You know and say okay we we got it we'll do a crm work and we'll do you know uh, analytics even right some of the analytics pieces we had the same problem right like we didn't have creative so we were on the other end right say okay i need already like the first party data of a person i need to know who they are so i can engage with them i would say our weakness was probably creative account service you know and whatnot so it was a good compliment, you know, like it makes us a, a more well-rounded agency, especially than adding, adding the analytics piece, you know. It's like I feel like we have a capabilities in-house and not a lot of agencies have, you know, so that's cool.
1: It's interesting to hear you talk about before, too, when you said that when you started off, you were doing a lot of experimenting and weren't sure how to do a lot of things, but figuring out as you went along, I can personally say I worked with Pato, on a project a few years ago. We won't get client specific, but this involved HubSpot. Mm -hmm. And I think when we brought you in, you said, I don't have a whole lot of expertise with HubSpot. This was like a Friday. You're like, I'll take a look at it over the weekend and we'll see what it is. I'm not kidding when I say that by Monday, Pata was a HubSpot expert. (laughs) He could give give you a class on it. it. It's interesting that that's how you kind of started off was just having to learn things on the fly. And has that definitely? I'm sure it has valued you in your career, being able to learn things quickly.
2: I guess, yeah. I never thought about it. I'm more of a practical learner, so by doing things, you know, if I if I read it how it's supposed to be done, maybe I don't know if I'll I'll get it. But if I start playing with it, when you work with a platform like Salesforce, which is what we specialize on, then you look at the other platforms are they're very similar, so you can kind of get it right away. I'm always been like a hands-on very involved person, even as a as CEO of devs, it's always been like, very involved with like projects and the people, that's just my personality. And I maybe that's to my detriment, that's kind of like a weakness, you know, that I, I couldn't like, you know, elevate myself too much because I always had to be involved with people, but that's also an advantage, you know, because you create like a nice culture with, with the team, you know, so.
0: Jesse yeah. joked earlier about coding in your free time. What do you do outside of the office?
2: On my free time. So I had two kids. Uh, so most of the time I'm playing with them or parenting stuff. I like sports. So I will watch sports. I, this year I took into uh, beekeeping. I've been, How did you get into beekeeping? Uh, so I have a friend who's been, you know, telling me, oh, you should try it. It's really fun. It's you not know, very time consuming. And, you know, I read a few books. I took a, a class at the uh, Beekeepers Association. And at some point I bought like a big box with bees and put them on and that's
1: (laughs) where do you buy a big box of bees you just go to amazon and they ship that to you i don't
2: know if amazon sells bees but there is like a place in spencer ohio that they bring the bees from california Um, but they are italian bees so they so i feel like they are always eating like bread and cold cuts or something as
1: an italian i could say that's exactly right that sounds like us (laughs) (laughs) have you harvested anything
2: yet so this year my goal is to Keep them alive, so I'm leaving all the honey for them. If a little piece breaks, I will try it, and it's really good. But I'm leaving all the honey for for them next year. I think I'll I'll go ahead and harvest some, you know, for us. So
0: do you have the full suit? Yes,
2: I have the full suit, but I I've, I've been starting to lose fear of getting stung because they are, you know, if you if you are calm, they won't attack you or anything like that. You know, they're pretty chill. So
1: know, uh, you mentioned you like sports. I don't think you watch soccer, so I just wanted to fill you in quickly. The World Cup. Argentina ended up winning. Finding out that information right now for the first time, how does that kind of make you feel? They they won. Yeah, I did not know that. Well, we put the game out in the office a couple of days. You might not have been here to see it, but uh, who did they beat? Good games. I actually don't know who. I couldn't tell you who they beat. It doesn't matter. They beat the world. <laughs> they beat the world. Yeah.
2: I actually have a really kind of funny story about the World Cup final. Jen's family, they decided to do Christmas early last year. And I was okay, that's the day of the final. The only way I'm going there is if we're putting the game, you know, they, <laughs> it's all good, but I'm not going to go. <laughs> they, they put the game and everything. But I think that that was the first time that Jen's family saw a side of me that they never s- seen before. And I don't think they ever will because I like, oh, you're so like, easygoing and quiet, and I was there, like screaming, <laughs> crying, talking about <laughs> French people, you know, like I was literally crying at the end. And I was like, you know, because it's not only like a sport I'm passionate about, it has a big place on my life. You know, it was kind of, when I was growing up, it was a way of escaping some stuff. So it was very emotional for me, you know? So trans family were all like watching this, this spectacle, not, not the Cup final, but me.
1: That's a big moment, though. I can't even imagine how you must have felt.
2: You know, when Argentina won in '86, I was four, so I don't remember anything. You know, yeah. and then having my kids there, and my kids didn't understand why. Why is that crying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and you know, being messy is probably maybe last World Cup. We don't know yet. Um, it was a whole like yeah, it was from a movie basically.
1: Do you still get a chance to play at all?
2: Every time I go to Buenos Aires, I will play either with the people at work, or I have my friends from when I grew up. So, when I was a kid, I will play every single day. It was all I did until pretty much college, and then I will play like only on the weekends until I move here. And my friends from. From my neighborhood still do that, they play once a week. So when I go there, if I have some time, I will go meet with them. And that's the way we meet. We just meet to play football. And then we have a meal or drinks afterwards. And that's all we need, you know. So
0: When I was last in Argentina, I made sure I had space in my suitcase to take my soccer shoes down there. Because that, that was a highlight of the week, was playing with yeah. With the office a couple of blocks away from the office there's an indoor outdoor sort of arena that they can play in It was crazy hot in there but it was so much fun yeah
1: did you feel you could compete or were they all skill I, uh, levels
0: i felt actually pretty decent with the group i didn't feel like i was being tremendously outplayed
2: derek is, is a good, very good player yeah you can tell he knows he understands the game mm-hmm. you know it's, it's just a fun time you know so mm-hmm.
0: Have you been roped into coaching yet with the boys? I am coaching this you year. Are coaching. I
2: am coaching mm. this year. Yeah. It's easy. You know, it's it's like the kids listen. I don't know if it's because <laughs> I have an accent or uh, because I'm a, like a stranger, you know, like or what, but.
0: That's kind of magical because I help to coach and wow, we have some good days and we have some crazy days. Maybe it's just your personality is, you know, you're the clown and, and the kids love that, but it's a very different mindset coaching six and seven year olds than it is coaching 10, 12, 14 year olds.
2: Yeah. I just want to go on the record that Derek called me a clown. <laughs> I heard it too. Yeah, I, I, know know wasn't, heard I wasn't uh, going to point uh, it I will out. Say, he is a clown. Yeah, I like to have fun, but maybe it's in comparison to my kids. My kids maybe. don't listen to me, and these maybe. kids kind of listen. So, you know. You're, you're a different authority. It's a different yeah. authority, but. Yeah, as long as they're passing the ball and having fun, mm-hmm. it's fine.
1: And you've recently made a little bit of a career change to spend more time with your kids too. You moved to, would we you call it, part-time? Yeah. Okay, and how's that been going so far? Do you enjoy the the more time you've gotten to have?
2: Uh, you have to ask the account managers. <laughs> 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 no, but I think I think it's going, it's going well. I think it's a good balance for me. It's what I spend a lot of time and energy building Devs United to a point where I felt that there was... The time for other people to kind of like take the reins and the leadership and and continue the story of devs. So I decided to kind of like focus a little more on the consulting side and uh, focus a little more on, on spending time with the kids, you know. So
0: you have you have to go back and get the kids, That's right? right? So <laughs> I know you have limited amount of time. Thank you so much for coming in today, Pato, and talking with us and thank telling you. us your very varied history. Thank you
2: very much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's been fun.
0: Today's show was hosted by Jesse DeFranco and me, Derek Oyen. It was recorded and mixed by the man to my right, Mikey Nichols. Our theme was composed and recorded by David Beamer. Thanks, David. Ask a Better Question is produced in and by Marcus Thomas. The opinions on this show are not those of Marcus Thomas. You can take that up with Jesse and me.